Hi everyone, welcome to Build with VAs. I'm your host Valentina Brega and in this episode we're gonna talk with an entrepreneur who's gonna blow your mind. I can't even begin to describe all the activities he's doing. Let's see, I hope I don't miss out anything. He's a real estate agent, he's a co-founder of a real estate investing company, he is investing in multi-family deals, he's an advisor to many, many businesses, he is running a title company, he's an active duty marine, he's a wonderful father and wonderful husband to his lovely wife and, and kids, and there's so much more he does. We're gonna find out about mindset, how he's thinking, how he finds all this time to run all of these things. It's gonna be an amazing episode. I can't wait to get into that soon with you. Welcome to Built with VAs. And today I'm so excited to be introducing this amazing person, Adam Whitney. Adam, welcome. Valentina, thank you for having me. How are you today? Wonderful. Awesome. All right. So uh, before we begin, uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, probably a lot of people already know you. You are so active. You're so present everywhere. But just tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are as a person and as a professional. I'm an active duty Marine. I'm a business owner, multiple businesses from title companies to flipping and uh, multifamily. So I do a lot in the real estate space. And um, I love real estate. I love leading. I love building teams and I love building businesses. When you say building teams, uh, you have uh, people from the U.S., local employees, and then do you also have virtual assistants? Yeah. So we have about five or six of us here in the United States, and then we built the rest of the team with virtual assistants. Do you have VAs from in all the businesses you mentioned or primarily real estate? Primarily real estate, but I, I mean, we use... I have a personal assistant who's a virtual assistant. Um, I've had VAs from all over. I've got some in South America, the Philippines, and um, had some in Egypt. So, yeah. You're well familiar. Bound boundaries don't matter to us, just skills and uh, execution. Absolutely. So tell us, how did you get started with VAs? So I think it was out of necessity at first because I was, as an active duty Marine, you don't have very much extra free time. So I needed to find a way that I could leverage and get parts of the business moving while I was working so that it didn't stop. And then when I had time off of uh, my active duty job, I could then go in and do some of the stuff in the real estate space. What were some of the things that you delegated first? Yeah, the first thing I did was brought somebody in to help me with lead generation. Um, in this case, it was cold calling, very first VA ever. Um, was We had pulled a list of motivated, potentially motivated sellers who would make sense for us to make an offer to, and our VA would help us go through that list. That was just like one thing. I think also just first starting out, there's a lot of admin stuff. And when you're a one or two person show, you need help pretty much with everything. So um, she basically... Her primary role was to do a lot of calling and texting, but she helped me with all kinds of administrative tasks, mm -hmm. marketing, pulling lists, cleaning lists, um, all, everything really. Did you know about cold calling before? I mean, have you done it yourself or was that when you just wanted to try it out the first time? That's when you got a VA. Yeah, I, I did a little bit myself just to you know, put myself in that seat and see what it really took and what was going to be effective and not be effective. And then um, it's it's really time intensive and I didn't have enough time. So I needed to bring somebody in to help me. 
Okay. How was the, um, how was it different when you were on the phone and a VA? I'm sure there is a difference because, well, when you're on the phone, you are the, you are the buyer, you know how to connect your local, your, you know, how, how much of a difference was it between you on the phone and when you got a VA? I don't, I'm not sure the VA is entirely relevant. I think it's the skill, it's a skill level. So if I go pull somebody out of a McDonald's drive through and put them on the phone, Mm-hmm. With zero training, they're probably not going to be as good as me on the phone. Um, having any sales training at all or just really understanding real estate. So I, I'm not sure that the fact that you have a VA on the phone is a big drop off, but if you have somebody skilled, regardless of where they're at, they can be highly effective. Um, obviously if I'm on the phone, I have the ability to make decisions. I control the money. I know the mm-hmm. market. I know the sales. So of course I'm going to be more skilled than um, a new hire or a VA or something like that. But the, the fact that they're offshores, they're not here in the United States, it, it can be, uh, it can make a difference. But I think by and large for cold calling specifically, you're really just trying to find out who has a house and even wants to sell that property. And if, if you do find that out, then, um, then you can go deeper from there, but you don't need, you don't need a ton on the front end. I think this is a, a belief that a lot of people have, a limiting belief, because they say, well, a VA can do what I can do on the phone. And that's most likely true for a lot of reasons, right? Especially if, like you said, especially if, you know, if you're a salesperson, especially if you know marketing, especially if you know how to talk to people. Um, but still, it is a belief that's holding a lot of people back. What would you say is, um, the, what was the benefit to you, even if that person clearly wasn't as good as you, but what was the benefit to you personally by offloading this task? Well, I mean, massive. The, so the the business is pretty simple. You have to do lead generation, you have to do sales or talk to people and see if they're a good fit and make them offers. And then you have to do operations and disposition. If you're a one person show or you have a really small team, it's if you gain momentum in one area and then move your focus to another area, then that previous area is going to be affected for the negative. So even if I, even if we, I went on by myself and I had success generating leads and then I went and focused on follow ups as an example. Well, now nobody's generating leads. So let's say I get a deal or even two deals out of those leads I personally generated. Well, then I have to restart over every time because I'm not, I'm not letting the entire system consistently move. Yeah. That makes sense. What, what would you say to some uh, some employers or some some business owners out there who are having this this belief or this limitation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty common I th- for entrepreneurs who have been in the game for any amount of years to realize that oftentimes we as the entrepreneur are the bottleneck in our own business, and it's either our inability to give up control or our inability to leverage the right things, the right resources, whether that's um, labor, human capital, money, time, it could be a myriad of things. But if you don't appropriately leverage to keep your business in equilibrium and consistently moving forward, then you know you're you're the bottleneck in your business. So that's probably that's a limiting belief that people may or may not have. But at the end of the day, their only person they're hurting is their own business because. I think you and I both know that there are, there are businesses that are completely built off of virtual assistants. Their overhead is incredibly low and they're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. 
Absolutely. And I agree w- with you about you being the biggest bottleneck in the company because, well, what if you get sick one day? What if you get, can need to take a vacation? You know, if basically if you stop working, your business stops existing or stops working. And a, a lot of people, they want to control what they do. They, they think that no one else can do things better than they can. And they wouldn't be okay with someone else being 80% as effective. But at the long term, they are really hurting themselves rather than taking themselves out of that seat and focusing on bigger things where the business really needs them in a capacity that their company really needs them to to function in. What has been your experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the that's the the number one thing that is slowing people down from from growing is the inability to train people and have a set standard for what they're asking them to do, a set expectation. I mean, part of the problem is, is that like a business owner, a one person show, it's not really a business owner, it's a job. Mm. You're not putting a very specific expectation on yourself. You're not saying you must do X, Y, and Z, quantifiable number of things to generate what you want to generate. We do the same thing with our members of our team. If you're not telling, if you're not saying like, hey, can you produce you know, 20 leads a, a week. If they're producing 20 leads a week, then your your business is moving forward and it's consistent. If you're producing 20 leads a week, your business can be moving forward. But as soon as you pivot off of that, you, you're the bottleneck in your business. It's not, you're not helping yourself. Yeah. I think most, most people have this desire to grow a business, generate income that will free them up from something they're doing. But if they won't free up their own business to allow them to create the machine, then they're never going to get there. They have to leverage. Yeah. And I think they burn out as well. If you're constantly doing the routine tasks, you lose interest. And yeah, you are creating a job for yourself as opposed to when you have a, a team. It, it, it's kind of fun. It's it's a it's a, a team sport. Business is a team sport, right? You learn what to delegate. You also learn what to uh, you free up your time to learn bigger things, attend masterminds, attend seminars, know how to take your business from point A to point B rather than spinning on this, you know, like a hamster in the wheel and just not going anywhere. I, I think I have a wonderful team of virtual assistants. There are seven right now. Yeah, seven VAs. And I can't imagine doing all of this by myself. I would not be not even 10%. Uh, I couldn't do 10% what I'm you know, what they are doing collectively as a company, as a team. So I think it's so important to really understand that um, it's freeing up my, my time. I can spend time with my family. The business is developing much better than if I were the only person doing that. And, you know, and I started started sooner. I, I started very early in my, in my business hiring virtual assistants. I didn't wait for it to scale to a point where I would get burned out because then I would lose interest. And I, I wouldn't do anyone a favor if that happened to me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you became an entrepreneur. Did you always have this entrepreneurial spirit, even as a child? Um, I wouldn't. I, you know, maybe I may have. I think it was a desire to see the the result of my my labor, my work, the things that I'm doing with unlimited potential. Mm-hmm. Just wanting something more. I wanted to make a different kind of impact. I, I, I've been, I spent my entire adult life leading teams of hundreds of people and being responsible for hundreds of people. But the, um, you know, the outcome can be, can be limited 
depending on what industry you're in. So I like the idea of um, kind of controlling both the lead and the lag indicators, like the, the decisions we make, the inputs we put in, mm-hmm. the work that we do is directly correlated with the result. And that's directly um, that the impact of that is is exactly from the work that you put in. So I, I really like that idea. I like the idea of unlimited potential. Um, I, I always knew I wanted to do real estate. I mean, since probably the early 2000s. And um, I, I had it in the back of my mind that that would be the vehicle for me to achieve financial freedom. And that's, you know, the rest is kind of history. It is a roller coaster being an entrepreneur. I speak with some good friends of mine and they said, oh, no, I could never do what you're doing. I like my nine to five and I come home and I have dinner with my family and I watch my favorite show. I can binge, you know, my favorite TV show and I have time on the weekends. I come home, I completely disconnect from work and I could never do what you're doing. And when you have your own company, you're constantly working. Your mind is constantly present. We're thinking about what's next, what to do, how to solve problems. You're responsible not just for your own family, but you're also responsible for the families of all the people you employ. Uh, Nevertheless, that freedom, it it looks like it's a lot of uh, um, activity and a lot of uh, brain work, but it's still, that's the only way to get freedom. You can never get freedom by working nine to five. Uh, Am I wrong here? Yeah, I think... This is a great, this is a great topic. Nine to five is good for 98% of the population. They're happy to go into work and sit in a seat for eight hours a day until they're 65 years old. And then they retire with, you know, 10, 10 to 25 years left on their life. And then that's when they decide they're going to, you know, have the, the freedom maybe they look for. And maybe some people aren't looking for that. Maybe people are com- completely fulfilled by their jobs. But here, the reality is, is, you have to be willing to do what others are not willing to do in order to have what others cannot have. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you've got this desire to have time freedom, financial freedom, uh, decision freedom, you, you have, to, you have to give something to get that. You have to, you have to put in the work to get that on the front end. And, um, yeah, it is a roller coaster sometimes, but I think when you look at entrepreneurs that, or maybe 40, 40 years old and have complete freedom in their lives. They have businesses, they have problems, everybody has problems. But at the end of the day, they wait, they decide when they wake up, they decide where they're going to go that day, what they're going to do that day, when they're going to go on vacation. They don't have any kind of golden handcuffs on them. And that's, you know, that's a dream for many entrepreneurs. And it's the, the beautiful thing is it's achievable. Like you look around and you see some folks who have, uh, maybe gone to where you want to go. And a lot of times there's not anything special about those people except for the fact that they want it really bad and they're willing to do what it takes to get. Yeah. And I know it, winning is very important to you. you you're very. Being, being competitive. Oh, why? And how, how do you, how do you win every day? Winning is important to me for sure. I'm, I'm extremely competitive. I always have been. I don't know why it's that way. I just know that. Um, I like to succeed and not just for me, but I like to bring people with me. I've got the only way for me to help impact other people's lives is for me to win on a daily basis. And the reason you win on a daily basis is because you don't, you don't just, people don't become a success overnight. It may appear that way, but we both know that people are putting in a decade of 
extremely, extremely tough work to get to the point that they're at. So if you can do that every day and then you can bring other people with you, like that's a massive impact you can have. And for me, that that's just that just drives me not. I mean, obviously, for my family, the ability to go to all my kids events, the ability to choose if I want to drive my kids to school or not, um, you know, decisions like the ability to just make the decisions that make the most sense for me. And then the ability for me to put in the work to create an impact um on the folks around me or in my, in my local area or whatever, whatever it is that's fueling me at that time. And it does change from time to time. Sometimes I want to help other people grow. Sometimes I want to, um, I'm working on improving my team. Sometimes I'm, I'm focused on my family because that's the real, I I think what's important to me changes over time. And I I get a kick out of people that say, Hey, Adam, you don't have balance. I'm like balance doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Right. Balance is just kind of measured over a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know? So as an example, um, my wife and I talk about this all the time. We have balance as a family unit. I may work like a crazy person, but that allows her to be a hundred percent focused on our kids all the time. So we have this family unit balance, but people would look at me and say, Hey, Adam, you're unbalanced. It's like, I'm not unbalanced. My kids don't go to daycare. My kids are cared for by their parents 24 yeah. seven. Right. Um, but that's like one of the most common things, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a criticism, but even my friends will say, Hey man, you need to like take a break or, you know, you need to get some balance in your life. And I always laugh at that statement. I, I heard that too. Um, my husband and I, we both work from home and say, you, you guys don't, don't even have a date night. You don't go. Honestly, we work from home. This is what drives us because we work towards a common goal and we are very connected that way. We, we're not, we don't feel like we're out of balance because we both do what we really like and we enjoy spending time together doing that. So balance to different people means different things. And, and we homeschool our kids. So, you know, we spend time with them and we can take some time off and uh, do some, some fun stuff o- on the weekend while also we, and, and also involving them in business decisions as well, especially our, I mean, not especially, but only our oldest daughter because our baby is five months old now. So we can involve her in business decisions, but the six year old one. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she's helping out with the business and it might look like we don't have balance in the traditional sense, but we're much stronger as a family because we all work together and we have fun together and work together. So it's balance looks different to different people. Yeah. And the kids are learning. Um, the kids are learning business They're learning entrepreneurship. They're learning to, th- to kind of think differently, to think, not have the group think, right? Cause the, what, what people would tell you is traditionally acceptable for success would be, you know, you go to school, you get good grades, which I do believe you, if you're doing something, you should do it really well. Um, then you go to college and then out of college, you go get, uh, you go get a job. That's true for most people, but that doesn't have to be true. And I think showing your kids how how money works, showing your kids how um, business works, it will give them more tools to make decisions and have an opportunity to be more successful. Whether or not they are, that's up to them. But um, as a parent, that's our job. Our job is to instill values and principles in our kids so that they can make the best decisions possible. Our job is to educate our kids. Um, in addition to the school system and create opportunity for them. So that I think we're doing that on a daily basis. I think you're doing that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, that 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 is what success looks like. Mm-hmm. And kids, 
they will see what you're doing and they will mimic your behavior as well. And you, you're, you're showing them a different way of, of living and having that freedom. And you can't do this if you are, like you said, like if you have the golden cuffs uh, on your hands, right? You have to have the time. You have to have the experience and show them how it's done. Um, are your kids interested in entrepreneurship? Oh, yeah, the, well, totally. I had a conversation with my son today. Uh, my wife is also an entrepreneur. She does some um, digital marketing and brand sponsorship stuff. And, and she's amazing. She, my, my son needed money for something today. And I said, well, I know you're going to do be a part of this thing that your mom's doing. I would negotiate to get an advance on your pay since they don't pay you for 45 days. So, you know, mm -hmm. today he's talking about negotiating advances on his pay for participating in, um, you know, her digital marketing business. That's amazing. <laughs> are you giving him some tips or are you letting him you, do on his I, own? And I don't want to indict myself against Jenny right now, yeah. but um, I, I did give him a few sales tips and negotiating tips. Um, we'll see how it goes. And when he applies it right away, this is how they learn. This is how they memorize it, right? Right? Don't just like have them read a book um, at the wrong time, because if it doesn't, if they don't have that need, they're probably not going to remember it. But now they're in a situation where I need this now. I need to figure out a solution now, and it's it's going to stick with them. This, the negotiation tips that you that you gave is is going to stick with with your son for a long time. That's amazing, yeah, and that's kind of the same. The same if we go back to the topic of virtual assistants, that's kind of the same thing that I, I show, I tell our virtual assistants as well. Like you will learn exactly when you need it. Uh, for example, even when we are on the phone talking to real estate investors, right? When you have an objection, uh, yeah, not, no, I'm sorry, not real estate investors. When you're talking to sellers, when you get an objection, you can probably read about how to respond, how to, but when you are in that moment, like this is when you need the training the most. That's when you, that's when you're going to remember it. So in our training, for example, with virtual assistants, we focus, we say this, like whenever you hear a pain point, that's when you give your solution. That's, I mean, that's a completely different, different topic that we can talk about how to train the VAs. I feel like a lot of, um, uh, virtual assistants don't, don't have that training nailed down very well and they could miss a lot of opportunities on the phone but if you get this one simple idea here a pain point offer the solution you need it now you find the solution now and that's what makes sales on the phone much easier um if if it makes sense i don't know why you said that and kind of got, got me back to uh, to how to the training that i have with vas um before we do that, though, I wanted to ask you one more thing. You mentioned something that's very important. You said I can attend my my kids' events or the stuff they do outside of home. Um, how are you also impacting your employees' lives? How are you impacting your virtual assistants' lives? Uh, are you making a difference for them as well? Yeah, I think so. I think collectively as a team, we do that on a pretty regular basis, whether it's continuous training opportunities we give them to sharpen their own skills, make themselves better. Um, they're a part of, I mean, we've, we've got a lot of stuff internally to the companies that, um, we're coming together. We're taught, we're doing planning together. We're talking about core values together. So we're sharpening ourselves as people as well. It's not just about making money. And then of course, uh, tons of opportunities for our VAs to, to make money and take care of their families. I mean, I've, I've literally watched some of our team members like move into completely new places that they couldn't move into before, buy vehicles that they couldn't buy before, um, you know, get, get equipment 
you know, whether it's a computer or internet and stuff that they didn't have as, as great of access to in the past. And, and obviously like that's really impactful for anybody, not just a virtual assistant. And, you know, that, that helps them to bond tighter with our company and our team and it encourages them. They want to continue to work hard with us. And, um, it's a, it's a massive impact on their life. And I think just like it's a massive impact on somebody's life, uh, when you're in a small business, and you're not cluttered by corporate bureaucracy, you have an opportunity to be intimate with your team, the mm -hmm. ability to go just beyond a KPI, go beyond, you know, an HR department, but to really have genuine conversations and care about that other person in their life. Now, obviously, as a business owner, and everybody on our team knows this, we're going to put the business first. And uh, so we have a collective goal and mission together. And that's just going to drive us closer together as a team. And I, I, I think it does. And, um, you know, as a small business, you very well know, like there's tons of ups and downs. There's tons of um, ad shared adversity, adversity on the team. And anytime you have shared adversity, you always create a deeper bond. You always create a deeper bond on the other side. So just really that that human connection, you're, you're humanizing work roles. It's not just, um, you're not just a number when you're in a small business. So the impact is massive. And then there's, there's just a myriad of opportunities that come when, when the folks are working with us on our team. Yeah. I don't think people realize how big of an impact you can make in a virtual assistant's life because they say, well, I'm paying them what? $5 an hour, $6 an hour. They don't understand how far that five, six dollars an hour can go in some parts of the world. And I know that because the country where I was born in, I was born in Moldova, that's in Eastern Europe. And I would have worked for five, like a couple, when I was what, six, seven years back, uh, seven years ago, I was in my home country. I would have love to have the opportunity of working for five dollars an hour because that goes a long way that's about five six dollars an hour that's about a thousand dollars a month working from home um it's, it's i could see a lot of opportunities unfolding right in front of my eyes so i think a lot of people say well you are not treating them fairly because you only pay five six dollars an hour which you know it's it's completely untrue. I know it from my experience. And now what you mentioned, they were able to buy vehicles. They were able to buy th things that they couldn't have otherwise. That's That just shows to me one more time that this is true. Yeah, I think like, um, if you look at the Philippines as an example, it's a place that I see a lot of people um, source VAs from is like, somebody in the Philippines who's like a, a high level doctor or surgeon makes the equivalent of like $12 an hour. Like that's, that's some of their highest paid people in the entire country. And you're talking about, um, in the United States, that same person makes three to $500,000 a year. So we're basically saying that a VA making $6 an hour is making half of what a surgeon makes, right? So if that's $500,000 a year, we're talking about $250,000 a year in the United States. Most people would be okay with a quarter million dollars a year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Uh, but because the rate makes sense for people in, in the Philippines or anywhere in the world, there's a lot, there are a lot of people who want to apply to work as virtual assistants with different skill sets, different levels of expertise. Um, what do you look for when you hire people? Just because they apply to work for a job doesn't mean they would be good for that job. They just enticed by the money they could get. What do you, how do you find that balance? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think 
just like anybody that's joining your team, especially when you're really small, core values is like got to be number one. Like what kind of person are you first and foremost? And for us, we're looking for people who are extremely driven, people who are, they want to learn. They are just have this massive curiosity to learn and implement those things because in a small business, you don't, not everything is perfectly systematized with every single process documented out. And it's, it's sometimes you, it requires some critical thought. And you, if you're not driven to win, if you're not super curious to learn and there's not always somebody around to teach you, then you're not, you're not really going to be a contributor to that team. So you've got to be driven. You got to be curious and you've got to have a, a really strong set of principles and core values. Mm-hmm. Coachability is, is very important. Absolutely. And most people who are curious are going to be coachable. If you want to win and you're curious, like you're a obsessive learner, like you're going to be coachable because you want to win. You want to do well. So if somebody's giving you a path to do well, you're both curious and you want to win, you're going to take the coaching. If you're, if you have a fixed mindset, if you think you have everything figured out, you probably don't want to win that bad. You probably don't win that often in your life because you've got everything figured out. Yeah. And if that were true, then you must be incredibly content with where you are in your life. What are some signs that would show you that this person is curious and wants to learn at the interview stage or application stage? Yeah, I think I, I, I think um, asking questions, people who ask questions instead of a lot of people go into interviews and they so as a business owner, I assume when I interview somebody that I'm getting the best version of that person. So it, it does not get better than that interview. So it, it's got to be somewhere between that and whatever's below that, right? Mm-hmm. But if you come into an interview and you're not just focused on giving the best answers to look the best, but you're, you're genuinely curious about that business and how you can serve that business, not that, not that person hiring you, but that business, how, what, what, let me ask some questions that are, um, or let me bring some ideas to the table or ask some questions about how, which would ultimately lead me to contributing to the business in a more meaningful way. I think that would be really, that would be really impressive. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, rather than beating your chest about your past experience, you know, talk, asking questions to understand what that current job role does entail. And then, formulating an idea of how you believe you can best contribute to that business. Like at the end of the day, that's, that's what we need. We need people who can cohesively work towards one single mission and they're going to be critical thinkers. They're going to bring solutions, not problems. They're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to, if something's not working, they're going to try to find ways to make it work. And then they're going to collaborate with the rest of the team to improve something. Like those are the people that you, you know, that, most resonate with me. And, and frankly, you can sound, um, great in the interview. You can ask great questions, but really, we really don't know anything about anybody until we get in the trenches together and we start working together. And then that's when character really rises to the top, whether or not you're, you're, you're actually, um, you, you know, you have a true desire to win. You're, you're really a critical thinker. What, what is truly important to you? 
Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've seen perfect resumes and people who impressed us at, at interviews. And then we ask one or two questions and completely like we understand this is not the right person. So you can easily fall in love with a candidate and they're not the right person. Maybe that's why at Higher Train VA, we only accept, I mean, we reject about 97% of candidates that apply to work with us virtual assistants, 97%, a lot. a lot of that. So we want to keep the, 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 the best of the best, right? The, the, <laughs> the cream of the crop. And, uh, we look for these things. Coachability is one of the most important things we look at and their attitude. Like when we give them a task, how do they handle that? Do they complain? Are they asking for, uh, are they asking to be paid for that little task? You know, just little things like that will really show you whether that person has the, the right intentions and they really want to uh, work well or are they just chasing the next dollar? Because um, money is not just the only thing that you provide. People want want a place where they belong, right? They want, you can get more money in a place where you, you don't feel happy. Um, that VA is not going to stick around for very long. So we're looking no. for character, personality, endurement, skill set as well. That's why we have very, very low uh, percentage of people that we accept. Um, okay. That's really, really cool. Um, let me ask you a couple of questions. I want to play a little game. Uh, it's like a true or false game. And I want to know from your perspective whether or not you had this experience, okay? Um, it may not be true for everybody, but I'm really curious about your experience because you worked with a lot of virtual assistants for many years from different countries. So let's just go that. Okay. Yeah, let, let me let me, let me me first say, like, right now, currently on my team, I have a transaction coordinator in our real estate business who routinely is working with sellers and buyers and title companies and attorneys and they're not in this country so that's um that's that those are routine complex problems on a daily basis i have uh somebody who's an assistant for dispositions and marketing right those are like those aren't very simple things those are complex uh, complex things. I have an inside sales agent. So I have a diverse team that are, they're not just doing, you know, cold calling. They're not just doing administration. They're doing things that take critical thought. And those mm -hmm. are the only types of people who will be on our team. Mm -hmm. They're not just doing data entry, for example, because that's what a lot of people think, you yeah. know, just and they could, that could be, that could be, um, that could be a useful position in somebody's business for sure. But for us, we're beyond, we want to be beyond that. We want everybody on the team to be a critical thinker. We want everybody on the team um, to be able to solve problems, not just bring all the problems to the business owner because that really doesn't help anybody. So that's one of the things that I wanted to see. Like all um, the VAs, they just job hop, job hopping, not really looking to make an impact. They can only do simple routine tasks. False. All, all VAs, uh, that's false. false. All VAs are, yeah. I'm I, sure there's some out there, but that that is certainly not the case for all of them. I think so too. I mean, I know for a fact that this is false because I look at my team and oh, I wish everybody had as much success with virtual assistants as I'm having with my team, like all the business owners out there. And like, just like you said, they have that critical thinking. They have that ability to foresee what I need and let me know before I even have a, the time to think about this. You know, it's, 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 a, I have an amazing and, and great team. And I think a lot of that is, is it the VA or is it also the fact of how you train them and how, what expectations you're setting of them or how, what is it? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the case for anybody, uh, virtual assistant offshores or, or here in the States, like 
setting expectations, providing training, um, holding people accountable to those expectations. Like we're not perfect, right? You know, but those are, those are things that have to be put into place and those conversations have to be had. Um, or else it doesn't, it, it, it really doesn't work for anybody. I see this a lot too with other business owners that I get to, an opportunity to coach or maybe they have like a cold caller or something like that on their team. And mm -hmm. they're really not doing anything to cultivate that person. They're not helping them grow and they can't understand why they're not meeting expectations. And then when you ask them, it's like, well, what expectations did you set? They're like, well, I just thought they would show up and, and mm -hmm. do the thing. And it's like, well, that's not how the world works. You have to set a proper expectation. I need you to accomplish X in this amount of time. And this is what success looks like at the end of each day. Uh, most people want to succeed. Like no, most people don't show up to the day thinking like, man, I can't wait to just like get by today. Most people want to succeed. So if you tell them what success looks like, I think that's, um, that, that's meaningful. That's a, that's a meaningful thing to people on your team. Right. It's not just hire and forget. You, you pour into your team. You don't treat them as freelancers. You treat them as employees. You treat them as people who want to grow with you and be loyal to you. And they give you this, this loyalty back. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all humans, right? It doesn't matter what part of the world we're in. We're all humans. We all want the same things. And like you said, we want to succeed. We want to feel fulfillment in our jobs, in our personal lives. Everybody wants the same things. All right. Let's see the next one. Uh, true or false, virtual assistants can even order groceries for you or make doctor appointments, international, being overseas. That is true. Definitely true. Have you had a VA do that for you? Uh, yes. Not just, what was it, groceries and, Gro and Make doctor appointments, appointments or any I mean, kind of appointments. Order flowers for your wife, um, buy your plane ticket, schedule out on your calendar all the travel to include travel time and... Um, set reminders for really important things that you need to remember, right? And you've got a lot going on as a business owner. Um, yeah, they can do all that. That, that, that's not, um, that would be true. Yes, they, they can do those things. Okay. So the next thing, true or false, you can trust international virtual assistants with confidential information. Such yeah, as true. I, I mean, as much as you can trust anybody else. And I think that, um, you know, that's a personal decision on a lot of people's, um, from a lot of people. There are, there are technology solutions to, uh, draw very clear lines and, and access to certain things. So it's not as big of an issue as I think people might imagine it is. Um, if you don't trust people here in the United States, you probably also shouldn't or are not going to trust somebody not here. So that's kind of a moot point. But if you, if you are, if you do trust people here, you could have somebody offshores do those things and you could leverage technology to protect maybe sensitive information if you needed to. I agree. There's a lot of uh, a lot of tools uh, that, that can help you. Um, I'm hoping people who can see that they can leave a comment if that's that they would like me to make an episode of what tools we can use to uh, to protect sensitive information, whether that's credit card information or passwords or any other like, you know, uh, yeah, making doctor appointments, like your schedule, anything that really that um, would need to be protected. I would love to to go deeper into that. All right, let's see next one. True or false? A virtual assistants understand they speak English so well that they understand U.S. sarcasm. Uh, yes, true. They do not all of them the same. Uh, just like not all U.S. people would get dry sarcasm or something like that. But yeah, I think uh, 
many of them many of them do and i think there are there are some cultural um there's some cultural differences that may resonate with other folks in the states that may not resonate with some uh, like a virtual assistant but um by and large yeah they 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 certainly they get some sarcasm they can tell uh when you're joking they can tell when you know maybe you're angry or something like that for sure it is important to know U.S. culture as well, not just the language, not just speak English well. Uh, for example, we had um, a, a situation a couple of years ago when the person on the phone was clearly sarcastic. You wouldn't tell it on the on the ton, from the tonality, but he did say his name was Willy Wonka, like you know Willy, and then Wonka. And the person didn't know because they're not from from here. They didn't know that this is such a cultural you know, present such a no name, it sounds just like a regular name. You know, Willie's a very common name. Why did can't the get, last name be Wonka? What was that? Did you get the golden ticket? That's what I got to know. <laughs> that's what that's what we could have we could have asked. You know, so that's so the cultural aspects as well. But it is something that it it's not that big of an issue and people I think uh, people from overseas they know the US culture pretty well. All right, let's see the next one. True or false? Uh, virtual assistants can uh, act as COO. As COO? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. I don't, most US people can't even act as a COO. I uh, mean, can you find a COO from overseas? I mean, there are, I don't see why you couldn't. I think the question would be, can I find somebody who would be a really good COO, but I would be okay with them not being like in the office? I mean, there are massive Fortune 500 companies equivalents in every other country uh, that all have COOs. So there's obviously very talented folks across the world, across the globe. So could you find a COO like that? You sure could um, from other places, no doubt about it. Question would be, are they going to fly over here and work inside of your business or are you okay with them not being inside of your business? Right. I actually know a couple of companies that are all remote and they have, you just have the visionary and everything else is delegated to being virtual assistant to the virtual assistant, even the person carrying your vision, running the show or acting like the cheap, yeah, like COO, right? Like running the show for you. And, um, I know it's possible, but I just re really wanted to know from your experience or from your perspective, whether you see that happening. Would you yeah, think? I, I haven't, I haven't seen, um, a CEO in that traditional sense like that with a virtual assistant, but I could see, I do know companies that are like all, all VA, their entire company is VAs and it's like one or two US people. And, um, those companies operate really lean and they have really good people and they're very, very effective. So it like, I mean, like, like anything, it's possible. It, well, one, one thing I think that people have to understand is, just because you're hiring a uh, offshore's virtual assistant or just because you're hiring offshore's talent into your company, I don't even like to say virtual assistant because if you're hiring somebody offshore's to be a COO, they're not an assistant. They mm -hmm. are filling a specific role and there's a, there's a differentiator there, but you're not absolved as a leader from leading. Like yeah. unless you're hiring somebody to, to, to like punch numbers into a spreadsheet and it's very simple, then uh, there's still some oversight, some leadership, some accountability, some mentorship. All that stuff still has to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, you are the visionary and that's you're leading the company. 
like it, it doesn't mean you are completely offloading something, all the tasks to someone else. So, okay. Well, last thing, uh, true or false, um, all VAs, all basically virtual assistants, they care mostly about their business uh, and they want to work with as many clients and they don't really stay with one client long-term. True or false? Uh, probably false. None of the, none of all the people on my team exclusively work with us. In fact, it's a requirement um, that they only work with us. They're not moonlighting somewhere else. Um, so, and we make that clear up front. So I would say that that is by and large false. That's my experience as well. All the people are loyal, dedicated, working hard, non-moonlighting. We also have a very strong policy against moonlighting, and it is possible. I think we just debunked a lot of myths that people have about virtual assistants that's holding them back from hiring because they think, well, they don't understand sarcasm. They don't care about my business as much as I do. They, you know, it's, it's basically all of the, they, they can only do basic stuff like data entry. They can't do any more, more important, uh, tasks. So I think we debunked a lot of this um, information and I think people listening will uh, take a, will have a different approach and a different view. And if not, let me know and let me know what kind of questions you have and I'll be happy to share my experience and the experience of people we work with. Um, Adam, towards the end of this um, episode today, what kind of message do you have for the people listening to us? Those, especially those who are skeptical about working with virtual assistants or afraid to take the step. Yeah, I would say just approach it like you would approach bringing anybody else on your team. They're, those are, they're very talented people. It's a really great way to keep your overhead down in your business, especially if you're small and you're just starting out. It allows you to, 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 um, better manage your resources if you don't have a lot of, you know, capital for your business or you don't have a lot of time personally because you're kind of building your business on the side is, is it, it is probably one of the most powerful tools right now to allow you to grow something on the side and then grow into it, which I know a lot of, I see a lot of people try to do that. You know, they take a side hustle, they want to build a business, but they don't want to smartly, they don't want to just dump their W2 job until they're in a position to do that. And then um, the virtual assistance is probably the most powerful tool to, to do that for your business. And this applies to every company, every size. I know companies that are just starting out who are hiring virtual assistants, and I even know companies that are making multi seven figure, so yeah, seven figures per year, and they still work and operate on virtual assistants. So it is a solution for everyone, right? It can, it, if it can be done online, if it can be done on a computer, it can be done by anyone from anywhere in the world. Yeah, I would leave. Uh, I would leave your listeners with just an a, a change of the frame, the way they think about virtual assistants. You're not hiring an assistant. You're hiring somebody to work in your business in a specific role. So treat treat them that way. They're on your team. They are as capable as anybody else. If you a push them to to, to achieve their their potential, and then. Uh, B, you set proper expectations and provide the right vehicle for them to, to learn, to be trained, to grow, to, to succeed inside of your business. So it's not, it's not a, uh, you're not paying for a software. It's not, it's not like that. It's, it's a true, it's a person. It's a human being who's coming into your business that has that shared vision and wants to win with you. It's the same as hiring people locally. I mean, you also have to share your vision. You have to set the expectations. It's no different. It's a person. You're just looking for the right skill set, not the geographical location, just the skill set. 
Great. Well, Adam, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they find you? You can find me on Instagram, official Adam Whitney, probably the easiest place to find me. I will leave the link here so people can easily get in touch with you. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. I'm super proud of everything you're doing and how you're growing your business and and multiple businesses now. And I love that you have this uh, time to spend with your family to think about impacting so many lives that you come uh, come in contact with and you're growing your company and you're leaving a good legacy behind you and you're winning. I know how important winning is to you and I love to see you win every day. So thank you, Val. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Have a great one. Adam Whitney has seen a lot of success with virtual assistants. And if you want to replicate his success, book a strategy call with us. It's absolutely free. And we're going to walk you step by step of what a virtual assistant can do for you. So you can free up your time, do bigger things while your business works like a well-oiled machine. So book your call today and I'll see you in the next episode.